Well, it's good to be with you, and uh, I just want to say happy feast day. This is your patronal feast, uh, the Feast of Christ the King, uh, which has been changed now with the, when the new missile was instituted. I think now it's like four or five years ago. It doesn't seem like it was just yesterday, but they, they changed the name of the feast to Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. <laughs> I like that. That's a bit more like informative, right? He's just not just some king amongst kings. He's the king of the universe. And today what we get is his kind of final exam, if you will. I don't know. Uh, when I was in Rome, they, they test a little bit different over in Europe. They do a 10-minute oral exam. So instead of doing a bunch of little tests or even a big test at the end or papers, the whole class is based on a 10-minute exam where you sit down with the teacher and he grills you over the whole semester. I mean, I thought in my life I knew anxiety until I experienced that. And I would always show up early, which was just stupid because you'd stand out in the hallway for like a half hour just pacing. You'd see people coming out, like crying, people coming out, you know, like, oh man, I blew it. And I'm like, this is, it's all just one exam. And so because I experienced such anguish and it was just terrible like that, I decided when I came to St. Mary's High School that that's how I would, exa- I would uh, administer tests as well. I figure if I went through it, they should have to go through it as well. And the students would say, I'd build it up and build it up and build it up and to the point where they were so freaked out that they would come in, I mean, just shaking. I had one, it was hilarious, this one young lady. I actually just did her marriage this, this summer. Uh, so we stayed, you know, close over the years. But she came in. She was one of my star students. I mean, 4.0, didn't miss a beat. And she came in. And the rule was, you can start wherever you want. You get to pick, and then from there we'll move. And I was like, okay, you know, where do you want to start? And she's like, well, I want to start with the seven deadly sins and the seven lively virtues. I said, go ahead. So she gets going, and then all of a sudden she just blanked. Totally blanked. And I looked at her, and I said, how is it? That I gave you a free question. All you had to do was answer it. And you can't answer your own question. And then she started crying. Which I had no idea what to do then. And she, she I, I mean, she failed the exam. I failed her. I didn't feel bad about it. But from that day forward, she said, she said, Father, that was the hardest exam I've ever taken. And she said, first of all, because I was face-to-face with you, but also because when we asked you what's on the final exam, you said, everything. Everything's on the final exam. We had an old priest uh, when I was in seminary. His name was Monsignor Bill Lyons. God rest his soul, he died a few years ago. But he would always come into our, he he had this little tradition. He'd walk around the seminary as we were studying for final exams. And he'd walk in, he's like, how's your studying going? I'm like, great, great, great. And he's like, you know, I have one more exam. I'm like, Monsignor, you're like 75. What's your, what exam, what class are you taking? He's like, oh, no, no, no. My final exam is the final judgment. He said, but the best news is I have all the answers to all the questions. Because that's what's given to us today. Jesus tells us what we're going to be tested on. He lays it out very, very, very clearly. And I just think, you know, I don't think we think enough about death and judgment. A priest friend of mine, he uh, went to a retreat and his director, his spiritual director for the retreat, had had his office. And so the priest came in to meet with him 
And he was shocked because when he came into his, his office, his coffee table was a coffin. How creepy is that? And so he said to me, he said, Father, can I just, can I ask you a question before we begin direction? He said, sure. He said, why do you have a coffin <laughs> in your office? And he said that the, the priest said two things that he will never forget. He said this, because life is short, death is certain, eternity is long, and judgment is real. He said, when you realize how short this life is, and how long eternity is, and that the only one certain thing in every human being's life is that you are going to die, when you realize these things, you will know how to live. Realize that you are going to die and you will know how to live. I ask people all the time, if you knew tomorrow you were going to die, what would you do today? I remember asking my students that all the time. They're like, I go to confession. I'm like, great, that's great. That's a good movement of the heart. So when's the last time you've been to confession? Well, I don't know. Well, here's the, here's the fact. Folks, you could die tomorrow. I could die tomorrow. Are you ready? Because you and I are going to sit down with, I don't know if it's going to be 10 minutes or 400,000 years, but we are going to have a sit down with Jesus face to face. And he tells us very clearly what we will be examined on. We begin the month of November praying for our beloved dead. And we end the month of November by contemplating our death. It's like the whole entire month is moving towards what we as the, as the Catholic Church call the four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, hell. A couple weeks ago I had somebody ask me if I believed in hell. Which I thought was hilarious because I'm a priest. And I said to him, I said, it doesn't matter if I believe in hell. It matters if hell is real. I can believe all I want. And in fact, based on the season, it looks probable. But I can believe all I want that the Minnesota Vikings are a good team. But what matters is if they actually are. Not just what I believe. Or will they just let us down again? Jesus makes it abundantly clear today in the gospel that hell is real. I don't know if you caught this, but in the gospel, he turns to the ones that have not done what he asked. And he says to them, depart from me, you accursed. To the fire that was prepared for who? No. Sinners, you didn't pay attention to the gospel. <laughs> he says, depart from me, you accursed, to the fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't meant for us. We were not created for that. In fact, in the book of Revelation, St. John hears from Jesus. Jesus says to him, if you live what I've asked of you, if you persevere, if you give it your best, if you don't give up, if you live a good life, 
Your names will never be erased from the book of life. You see, all of our names have already been written in heaven. But they can be erased. We are predestined for heaven. And the only thing that can stop that is us. We're the ones that can stop it. And what's crazy is, if you notice in the gospel, Jesus' judgment is not levied on what they did. It's what they didn't do. You didn't care for me. You didn't serve me. You didn't love me when you saw me in distress. You remember the story of the talents? One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. When the master returns, the one with five made five more. He says, well done. The one with two made two more. He says, well done. The one with one said, I didn't do anything with it. And Jesus says, take the talent from him and get this worthless servant out of my face. It is not enough just to avoid evil. We must do good. I was in, this is a long time ago, it was my, actually my 21st birthday, my brother took me down to Chicago, and I'll spare you the details of uh, my 21st birthday in Chicago, but something happened while I was down there, I met, uh, I was walking downtown, and I saw this guy, this homeless man, and he was holding a sign, and I got a kick out of it, because the sign said, not going to lie, I just want a beer. I was like, that's clever, you know? But then I was like, come on, man. Get, you're young. You're young enough to have a job. Get up. Quit being worthless. You know, just levying judgment on this poor man. And I was like, I can't do that. Remember? Avoid evil. And so what I did is I was like, you know what? I don't know his story. So I'm going to buy him a beer and hear his story. So I said, let's go get a beer. He's like, great. One beer turned into three. Turned into a four-hour conversation. And that man told me his whole life story. And I had no right to judge him. None. The stuff that had happened in his life was terrible. And what he said to me at the end of that conversation, we came outside and I, took, I, shook, I went to shake his hand. Instead of shaking his hand, he like pulled me in and embraced as much as I did not want a homeless man to embrace me. He pulled me I'm like, oh, you know, and he, and he embraced me. And gave me a big hug. And he said this. He said, thank you. What you did for me today is the nicest thing anyone has ever done for me. All I did was buy him a beer and talk to him. The United States of America is overwhelmingly Christian. How is it that that guy, that was the nicest thing that was ever done for him, I think some people complain that they're unhappy because they don't feel loved. And I I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is that people are unhappy because they don't love. You know who Lou Holtz is? Can you just give some head nods? Lou Holtz? Okay. He's one of the greatest coaches. He coached for Notre Dame. Whenever I give my, I, I talk and sometimes I talk about Lou Holtz and I talk to like high school kids and they're like, I don't know who Lou Holtz is. He was an amazing man. Solidly Catholic. He said there are three things that should govern your life. And I think these three things kind of sum up what Jesus is trying to tell us. He said the first thing is you always do the right thing no matter what it costs you. 
You always do the right thing no matter what it costs you. And there were games when there were idiot players and they did stupid stuff. And the right thing to do was sit them and not let them play. But he needed them to beat teams. And you know what he did? He sat them. And they lost the game. Always do the right thing no matter what it costs you. Second, whatever you're doing, no matter if you like it or you don't like it, no matter if it's something that's fun, something that's difficult, you put 150% into it. You give your whole self to everything you do in this life. From your job to volunteer work to prayer to care for your family, whatever it is. And third, he said, no matter who you meet, you always be compassionate to them because you don't know their story. You don't know their story. Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, he picked His standard that we hear today, one of service and love. He picked it not just for fun, not because he didn't have anything better to do. He picked it because he knew that when we helped others, when we got outside of ourselves, that we would actually change ourselves. And his kingdom would be established. Christ's kingdom is not about resisting evil. Although we must do that. We must resist evil with all of our hearts. But it is more about unleashing his love onto the world. It's about conquering evil with love just as he did right there. That's the model of the king. May we live as loyal subjects of Christ our king and unleash his love into this world so that at the end of our lives we too may hear, come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world.